Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 48 Hours ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Need more true crime in your life? An Audible membership can solve that. Audible is the ultimate destination for thrilling audio entertainment. As an Audible member, you could choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. Don't miss The Serial Killer's Apprentice by Katherine Ramsland and Tracy Allman. It follows the true story of how Houston's deadliest murder turned a kid into a killer in training. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500. That's audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days audible.com slash 48 hours. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. We are trying to locate a lost child by the name of Aton Pate. He is only six years old. He weighs 50 pounds, 40 inches tall, blonde hair, and blue eyes. It's not like a case, you know, nowadays where you may have surveillance video, you may have social media. So if this case was going to get solved, you guys had to solve it. You had to walk, you had to talk to people. We had to look at everything over again, take a fresh look, and we just kept pressing forward. We just kept looking at everything over and over and over again. Every missing child case is very important, but this was one of the oldest ones we had. It was 30-something years worth of investigative steps. It's a six-year-old boy, you know? Six. I think it was one of the most significant unsolved cases in the history of New York City. When Aton was lost in 1979, I think the city was in more of an innocent state of mind. I mean, this is the first day he walked to the school bus. You could stand at that door and you could see the school bus stop. It's like right there. We have always felt that he's alive. We have always kept up our hope that we would get him back. We can't determine when it's going to end or if it's going to end. And we will keep hope and we will keep looking. That photo will always haunt me. And every single day that I sent my son out to school, I thought of Aton Pates. And I was one of eight million New Yorkers like that. This is Washington Square Park, and this is significant because Jose Ramos, who was the main suspect in the case, said he met a boy over there by the fountain, molested the kid, and then said he let him go. They're trying to hook me up with paints, that's bull****. When you looked at the evidence concretely about Jose Ramos, it was, it was lacking. Look at this, see this here? Back in 2010, Lieutenant Zimmerman had approached me and he said, hey, you mind taking another look at this case? Cadaver dog, cadaver dog. indicated the presence of human remains. Human remains. Search here. Well, the case was always open, always looking for the needle in the haystack. We have a suspect a dead in custody end that forced the truth out of hiding. The disappearance of Aton Page. 30. The call comes into our office onto the phone right next to my desk. Did you ever heard the name Pedro Hernandez before? No, sir. I grabbed him by the neck, mm -hmm. and I started to choke him. 
is, do you recognize this person? Yeah, that's him. The facts of that confession make no sense. He's unreliable because of his psychiatric condition. You thought that you were looking at the man who killed Aton Pates? Yes. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. After more than 30 years, it took a new team of investigators and a new prosecutor to breathe new life into an old case, trying to find out what happened to Aton Pates, District Attorney Cyrus Vance, Jr. You really should never close the book on a case if you think there's the possibility that it can be solved. In 2012, investigators were literally digging for clues, just blocks away from where Aton was last seen. After thousands of dead-end leads, the public held its collective breath, hoping this time the case might finally be solved. Yes, I wish I hadn't let him go to the bus stop that morning alone. Aton Pates was just six years old, and like many kids that age, he wanted some independence. It was 1979, the last day of school before the Memorial Day weekend, and Aton's mother, Julie, finally agreed to let Aton walk alone to the school bus stop. It was just two blocks away from their Manhattan apartment. Uh, my feelings that morning were very positive about his going. Aton was carrying a book bag and a dollar to buy a soda at the corner store near the bus stop. And then he seemed to vanish. Julie and her husband, Stan, didn't realize their son was missing until that afternoon when he didn't come home from school. Julie called the school and learned Aton never arrived and his friends never saw him at the bus stop. So she called the police. I didn't want to start with something bad happened to him. I would rather start in my mind, in my heart, that it was just a missing person. Former NYPD detective Patrick Ianello immediately headed to the Pates' home. And then we started to uh, knock on doors. Anyone see this boy? We worked all that day, we worked all that night, and then the following day I got home. And uh, I, I was ready to break down myself. Because? Because I, I saw my son. And he was Aton's age? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. 
A command center was set up right in the Pates' apartment. Both my wife and I are, are continue to be confident that he is alive and uh, we hope he's being cared for by someone who uh, might want a child as adorable as he. The police did not know us. We had to be cleared of suspicion as well as many other people. Eitan's image was splashed on storefronts and in newspapers. Eitan's father is a professional photographer and took many photos of his son. These pictures captured the public's heart and captured Eitan's spirit. He's just bubbling over with life and he always saw the positive side where other people saw negative. It's just He's just an incredible person. Our six-year-old boy is a loving, trusting child. We think an adult could have convinced him to come with him. The police canvassed the neighborhood, talking to people on the street, interviewing workers at a corner store near the school bus stop. Hi, Juan. Hi. You heard anything? Anything suggested? No. Anybody talking? Anybody... Not saying anything. Huh? Nothing at all. Okay, thanks a lot. Keep your ears open. The longer we've gone without any bad news, I think that's good. Detective Bill Butler was Ianello's partner. Uh, he was last seen at uh, 7.55 a.m. We have leads. We don't know where we're going to end up on the leads that we have now. Well, they pronounce it eight times. Well, when you go this long or something like this, you do, you... You feel like you're looking for your own son. The search for Aton dragged on. Detective Butler, a father with six children, lived and breathed the case. How did this case influence Bill Butler? More than I could imagine. He was very, very tied into the case. In 1986, Bill Butler took his own life. And there was speculation his frustration with this case may have been part of the reason why. The search went on without Butler. Julie and Stan had two other children to protect, Aton's older sister and younger brother. We keep saying we, we try to lead normal lives. But in so many small ways, uh, it's just totally impossible. I mean, we have his belongings all over the house. And yet, uh, to put them away is saying to, to us and to our children that uh, he's gone and he's not coming back. And if we're patient, we'll get him back. But their patience went unrewarded. The Pateses did everything they could to keep their story in the news, and that helped and other missing children. Everyone says, how many, where, why, what happens to them? In the 1980s, milk cartons showed Aton's face and then those of others. But Aton remained among the missing. By 1998, a new detective was heading the missing person squad. Phil Mahoney was drawn to the case by, of all things, a poem titled The Missing Boy. It's about a mother and son looking at Aton's missing poster. I read that poem and I said, that's it. I want to work on the Aton Pates case. It was pretty much inactive. It had been inactive for many years. It was cold. It was colder than gold. We had to find the, the, the reports, put them back together. Mahoney sorted through nearly two decades worth of work and some bizarre tips. This tip about this cult in Westchester. Did that source say that Aton was there? Yeah, that Aton was killed by that cult and dumped. The leads led nowhere, but there was someone who police were very interested in. Jose Ramos, the man who said he may have encountered a boy in Washington Square Park, not far from where the Pateses lived. Did he say it was Aton Pates? He has said he was 90% sure it was Aton Pates. <laughs> 
That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Did you ever give a kid named Hinton Potts? Yeah, that was in the papers in 79. In 1982, Jose Ramos was picked up by police for stealing some books from children. He was homeless, living in a drainage tunnel in New York City, and former Lieutenant Phil Mahoney recalls Ramos had some disturbing photos. He had a bunch of photos of kids that looked like eights on pates. He was a shaky character, so he enjoyed looking at these photos. So Ramos was questioned by investigators about the photos. What is it about that people say looks like Eaton? The smile, I think. How about the hair? Maybe the hair, not that much. Susan used to take care of him, Susan Harrington. Susan Harrington, Ramos's girlfriend, walked Eitan to school during a bus strike shortly before Eitan disappeared. Did you know when he lived? In Soho. Investigators suspected Ramos was a pedophile who could have ties to Aton. There was enough there, there was a lot there to draw attention to him, certainly. Aton often played in Washington Square Park, a place Ramos was known to visit. Jose Ramos has said several times that on May 25th, 1979, he was here and a young, small, seven-ish blonde kid came up to him and started talking to him. And Jose Ramos said at that point, he eventually took the kid back to his apartment. Ramos told that story to federal prosecutor Stuart Grabois, who had been working the case since 1985. Grabois and the FBI had, through the years, tracked leads around the world. But they always came back to Ramos. In June 1988, Ramos was uh, brought to my office and uh, proceeded to uh, state that he was 90% sure that the uh, young boy he took that day, May 25th, 1979, was the same boy whose picture he saw both in newspaper and on television, that being Aton Pates. Investigators learned Ramos had sexually molested children around the country. One of the things he did was to travel around the United States in a converted school bus, giving out matchbox cars and toys and baseball cards to children, to young boys, to entice them onto the bus. Grabois wanted to prosecute Ramos, even if it wasn't for the Aton Pates case. He succeeded in Pennsylvania. In 1990, Ramos pled guilty to molesting an eight-year-old boy and was sentenced to 10 to 20 years in prison. You've got a, a known pedophile who says that he's 90% sure that he picked up right, right. Aton Pates, right. you know, a, around the time that he disappeared. Why didn't you just go, okay, case closed? Because you didn't have that corroborating evidence. You didn't have that one person who said, yeah, I saw him and Aton in Washington Square Park. You got the information. Investigators hunted for more evidence. In 2000, Mahoney ordered a search of an apartment building Ramos lived in when Aton disappeared. Ramos had allegedly told a fellow inmate, this is where he disposed of Aton's body. When he was in jail, Jose Ramos said that he put Aton into the furnace in the basement. This building? This building. And, you know, burned up the body. But like so many tips in the Aton Pates case, nothing came of it. There was just never that next thing to make you say, yep, that's it, close the books, we got the guy. 
Mahoney felt they didn't have enough on Ramos to charge him with Aton's disappearance. Neither did the Manhattan DA at the time. But Stan Pates and Stuart Grabois were becoming more convinced Ramos was their man. I believe this man stalked my son. I believe he lured him back to his apartment. I think he used him like toilet paper and I think he threw him away. Brian O'Dwyer is a prominent New York attorney and started representing the Pateses. He was friends with Stuart Grabois and in 2000, he approached Grabois with an idea. I said, you know, you have a, an opportunity, you may not have thought about it, but of taking a civil case against Ramos. It would be a wrongful death suit. O'Dwyer hoped Ramos would be subpoenaed and might say something incriminating to help bring a criminal case. But before the wrongful death case could proceed, O'Dwyer had to ask the Pateses to officially give up hope. They would have to ask a court to declare their son dead. It's one of the toughest things I've ever done in my practice. And on June 19, 2001, a judge declared that Aton Pates was officially dead. I used to have fantasies of, of a taxi cab pulling up in front and Aton coming out of it, but uh, that was a long time ago. I don't entertain those fantasies anymore. The Pates' attorney went to the Pennsylvania prison where Ramos was being held to interview the man he believed had killed Aton Pates. This was evil incarnate. If I met him on the street, I would have been very scared. And what did he say? He said that, yes, indeed, he was on the street that day, and he picked up a little boy by the name of Jimmy. This time, Ramos did not say Aton's name. Were you convinced that Ramos was the guy? Absolutely. Ramos would never answer more questions or testify in court, and the Pateses won the civil case against him. Once and for all, at least, have a final declaration by a court of law that Jose Antonio Ramos caused the death of Aton Pates. It was a victory, but it was not the end of the fight. The ultimate objective was to get a criminal prosecution. Did you think it was enough to prosecute him criminally? I did. The Manhattan DA disagreed. He still would not charge Jose Ramos. He thought he couldn't prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. Do you keep thinking about this case, or did you move on? No, I never moved on. Never really? moved on. Jose Antonio Ramos was in prison, unpunished, for what he believed was the death of Aton Bates. But 33 years after Aton disappeared, there was a tip. This is where it all started. And it could change everything in this case. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I think about my son every day. He's... He's, he's gone, but I'll, I will never forget him. As time passed for Stan and Julie Pates, Aton was and is frozen in time as a six-year-old gone missing. They remained convinced that Jose Ramos, the pedophile who was behind bars in Pennsylvania, 
was responsible for Eitan's death. I send them a, a poster twice a year, and I write on the back, what did you do to my little boy? From the time Eitan disappeared in 1979 until 2009, one man held the position of Manhattan DA, Robert Morgenthau. He never felt there was enough evidence to indict Ramos. But Morgenthau was retiring. I support Cy Vance. And Cyrus Vance Jr. was running for the office. The Pates family reached out to me and Stan asked me if I would look into the case. And when Vance became Manhattan DA in 2010, he did look into it. Cy Vance was like, listen, we'd like to read, you know, fresh set of eyes, relook at it, go backwards, see what was missed. Lieutenant Chris Zimmerman headed the missing persons squad at the time, and part of the fresh look included another look at Jose Ramos. We looked at the case for quite a while, and I never was convinced that there was proof beyond a reasonable doubt that Jose Ramos was Eitan's killer. And so the search for another suspect continued. The FBI had been involved on and off since Eitan's disappearance. In April of 2012, investigators took another look at this handyman who used to work for the Pateses. Along with the NYPD, they started that dig. It was at the former site of the handyman's workshop. We're executing a search warrant regarding the disappearance of Eitan Pates. It was not far from where the Pateses still lived. Excuse me. The dig went on for five days as investigators sifted through subterranean spaces and decades-old dirt. It was starting to look like there might finally be some answers. We're cautiously optimistic we'll find evidence. In the end, nothing was found. The handyman was cleared. At this point, there's no obvious human remains. But this was not just another dead end. Far from it. In fact, it led to the first major turning point in this case. The call comes into our office, onto the phone right next to my desk. It came from Jose Lopez, who called police after he watched news coverage of the dig. Can you, can you tell okay. us what brought okay. you to the police? Thank you okay. very much, Jose. Okay, that's what I went. He said his brother-in-law might be involved in the case. Detective Dave Ramirez helped lead the investigation. And who was his brother-in-law? Pedro Hernandez. Did you ever heard the name Pedro Hernandez before? No, sir, no. What did he tell you about his brother-in-law? Um, that he had made statements to various people about him having done something really bad to a child in New York. Pedro Hernandez worked as a stock boy at that corner store by the bus stop. He was 18 when Eitan disappeared, and soon after, Hernandez left that job and moved home to New Jersey. Over the years, he had been divorced, remarried, and had children. He worked on and off at menial jobs and had no criminal record. But he had told people about hurting an unnamed child. So who had Hernandez spoken to? There was a religious group, apparently. There was a retreat that they had gone on. They all had information to the fact that Mr. Hernandez did something to this child. Ramirez learned Hernandez also told his ex-wife and a friend similar stories. Detectives' notes from 1979 show police at the time knew Hernandez worked at the store, but it is unclear if he was ever questioned. Why do you suppose he was not a suspect before? I don't have the answer for it. I wasn't there. You know, I, I, I never got clarity on that, and I don't think he did either. About two weeks after they learned about Hernandez, on May 23, 2012, police went to his New Jersey home to talk to him. I had uh, told him that we were investigating an old missing persons case in New York City. At that point, he, like, he lost all the color in his face. Still, Hernandez readily agreed to go to the prosecutor's office in Camden, New Jersey, to be questioned. Was it hard to get him talking? No, no. 
He talked for six hours without a lawyer or a recording of the conversation. And during that time, he was shown a missing poster of Aton Pates. Later, the video camera was turned on. Can you start telling us again exactly what you just told us before about what happened? And Hernandez told them about seeing a boy outside the store where he worked. He was waiting for the school bus. Who was waiting for the school bus? The kid. What's his name? Hayden Pates. These are the words that changed the course of one of America's most heartbreaking cold cases. Hernandez went on, telling police he offered Aton a soda. Then I asked him, ask him to go to the, in the basement with me to get a soda. It is hard to listen to his story. Well, what happened after that? And then I shot him. Yeah, when I shot him, he went like this. What made you do this? I don't know. I don't know. It was something that just happened. He signed Aton's missing poster, writing, I am sorry, and choke him. You recognize this to be the boy that you choked that day? Yes. After the confession, Hernandez showed investigators where he said it happened 33 years earlier. Lieutenant Zimmerman recorded the walk with his cell phone. So Hernandez told you here that this was the basement entrance. Yes. So according to Hernandez, Aton was that way from where we are. Yes. And he lured him in th into the basement through this door. Yes, sir. Hernandez said he put Aton in a box after choking him. Put him in a box. And then put the box on his shoulder. And carry the box up out of here. At this point, I said, could you show us exactly the way you walked that day? We crossed the street onto the other side. And how far down did he go? And then he went down to the corner. He went this way, right? Yes, he crossed the street here, and um, he stops here at this location. He said he went down some steps. He, he took the body down here? Yes, and then he put the box down. Police believe the box was picked up by garbage collectors. Hernandez was interviewed again. Hey, Mr. Hernandez. Hours after the Soho walk, this time by a prosecutor in the Manhattan DA's office. Then I choked him, and I tried to let go, but I just couldn't let him go. He repeated so the same story, and later that day, Pedro Hernandez was arrested. We have a suspect in custody who has made a statement to the NYPD implicating himself in the disappearance of Aton Pates 33 years ago. He had confessed to killing Aton Bates. It was a credible confession. So says the prosecutor. But soon questions were being asked about the six hours when Hernandez was questioned before the videotaping began. Why weren't those first hours videotaped? See more of Pedro Hernandez's confession on Facebook at 48 Hours. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. a day or two shy of the 33rd anniversary. It was a day or two shy that we made the arrest. This evening, the New York City Police Department is announcing the arrest of Pedro Hernandez. Mr. Pates was taken back 
a little surprised and I would say overwhelmed. You know, it had to sink in. You know, 30-something years, it had to sink in. You know, I can't imagine not having an answer for that many years. For decades, Stan and Julie Pates believed another man was responsible for their son's disappearance in 1979. I believe this man stalked my son. I want him to admit it. Now someone was admitting it. But it was this man, Pedro Hernandez. He was waiting for the three bus. And then he went down the steps. And I checked that he went like this. After Hernandez was arrested, he was thought to be a suicide risk and taken to Bellevue Hospital. I met him at uh, the prison ward. Harvey Fishbein is Pedro Hernandez's court-appointed attorney. I walked out of there and I said, the man has an issue that needs to be addressed. Uh, I hear voices sometimes talking to me. A defense psychiatrist diagnosed Hernandez with a personality disorder that can leave a person unable to differentiate between what's real and what's not. I had uh, visions. Do you think Pedro Hernandez knows if he killed Eitan Pates or not? I, I, I think he knows he didn't. And that's you the, think? That's, are you sure? It's hard to look into someone's mind, which is one of the real problems we have here. The diagnosis of mental illness would be a major part of Hernandez's defense. And in January of 2015, two and a half years after his arrest, Hernandez went on trial for the murder of Aton Pates. Aton Pates's father walks silently past reporters in the courthouse, finally hoping to see justice served nearly 36 years after his young son's disappearance. At trial, the defense would argue that Hernandez's mental illness made him make up the whole story of murdering Aton, starting with seeing him by the bus stop. Pedro says, I saw him standing there. He was waiting for the school bus. Yet no parent that was at the bus stop that morning who knew Aton saw Aton that morning. So the fact that Pedro said that he saw the child there when no one else did, immediately raises questions as to did this actually happen or not. Hernandez told investigators he tried to hide Aton's book bag in the basement of that store. So I took the book bag and I threw it behind the freezer. But Fishbein says the police would have searched that store and if they did, they should have found the bag or some other evidence. That bag was never recovered. The defense also argued that Hernandez has a low IQ and is susceptible to suggestions. We argued to the jury he's unreliable because of his low intellect, because of his psychiatric condition, and of course the story in the end does not make sense. But the prosecution experts interviewed Hernandez. I'm going to say some words. And concluded he is not mentally ill and that the jury could believe his words. Prosecutors had home videos showing Hernandez socializing like anyone else. And they pointed out that Hernandez never reported any mental illness on a driver's license renewal form he filled out. Do you believe that he was competent to confess? Absolutely. I think there was ample evidence that Pedro Hernandez was not uh, fabricating uh, this uh, homicide as the product of mental illness, but that he, in fact, was uh, admitting to something that had tortured him, and he confessed. But Fishbein wants the jury to wonder what happened during those six hours before this videotaping began. Can you start telling us again exactly what you just told us before? There was an affirmative decision not to videotape what was going on. All it would have taken was the pushing of a button. Why wasn't that taped? Uh, I think it was not taped because there was no legal requirement that it be taped. How do you know that they didn't feed him information? How do you know they didn't berate him? The way you assure yourself is by talking to the witnesses who were there. Uh, After speaking to those who were present and being informed of what happened, I did not doubt that uh, there was uh, anything but a fair handling of Mr. Hernandez and uh, 
the appropriate questioning of him. Did you give him any information about the crime when you were talking to Mr. Hernandez? No. Did you no. try and influence him? I wouldn't say. No. This was all of him just talking to you, volunteering this stuff? Yes. The defense argued police preyed on Hernandez's vulnerability and manipulated him to confess. Pedro is a very religious person. One of the detectives says, thank you, Pedro. I can't begin to tell you how proud I am of you. That's the strength of the Lord. Right there is strength. That's the strength of the Lord. What's the strength of the Lord? That he said something that they said they needed in order to make people feel better, that family to resolve it. But the police would counter and the prosecutors would counter that this guy confessed to so many people over the years that he corroborates his own words. Well, they, they would like to say that. That's you accurate. Say that. I know, and I don't think that's accurate. The prosecution called those church members, Hernandez's ex-wife. Who did you tell? You said you told your ex-wife Right. And his friend, who all said Hernandez told them he did something bad to a young boy. But at the time, they never reported anything because they didn't know whether to believe him. If it was one statement in isolation, that would be one thing. Uh, there were a number of people to whom he unburdened himself. But Fishbein told the jury those accounts varied, and Hernandez may have been making them up to look tough. And he offered the jurors another suspect, the man many, including the Pates's, first thought killed Aton, Jose Ramos, the known pedophile whose girlfriend knew Aton. I feel certain that if the district attorney's office tried Jose Ramos, he would be convicted. The evidence against Pedro Hernandez was much stronger than it had ever been against Jose Ramos. The prosecutors had one piece of evidence they considered critical. It was something Hernandez said when he showed police where he said he dumped Aton's body. He noticed there was a door where he didn't remember one. And he says, there wasn't a door there. When they researched the building's history, prosecutors discovered Hernandez was right. The door was added after 1979. That's a fact that was not known publicly that we believed only the killer would know. But the defense says Hernandez wasn't even sure which building it was. Which one do you remember? He said, oh, I thought maybe this is it. And then he looks and he says, no, this is it. It was a lot for the jurors to sift through. The trial took nearly three months and in April 2015, they began deliberating and deliberating for 18 days. Hear more from investigators on what Pedro Hernandez showed them online at 48hours.com. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Well, what happened after that? And then I choked him. Yeah, when I choked him, he went like this. 
For 18 days, the jury considered Pedro Hernandez's confession to the murder of Aton Pates. A big bone of contention was the mental health issue. We debated that for days. Adam Sirois was one of the jurors. The other issue that was very sticky at first was the confession. Everyone felt very upset about not being able to see the entire interview. The jurors disagreed on whether the confession could have been coerced. Twice they told the judge they were at an impasse. And the third time they reported they could not reach a verdict, on May 8, 2015. This has been a very long trial and a very long deliberation. The judge declared a mistrial. Our long ordeal is not over. When they said they were unable to reach a decision, we believed it was going to be 11 to 1 for acquittal. It was 11 to 1, but not for acquittal. Only one juror voted not guilty. It was Adam Sirois. Do you remember the date? No. No. He found the confession hard to believe, not knowing what went on before the camera started rolling. You know it's very hard for people to wrap their minds around the idea that somebody would confess to murdering a child if he didn't actually do it. Yeah. And a lot of the jurors said that in, in our deliberations. But the whole reason why you don't just throw someone in jail when they confess is that there's a lot of people out there with mental illness that could confess to lots of crimes. And it doesn't mean they're all guilty. But the rest of the jurors believed Hernandez was guilty. Pedro Hernandez, you know what you did. Still, 11 out of 12 is not enough to convict. And Stan Pates was obviously disappointed. This man did it. He said it. How many times does a man have to confess? confess before someone believes him. Stan was uh, was unequivocal in his support that the case should be retried, and so we did. About a year and a half later, Pedro Hernandez went on trial again. The evidence and the issues were the same as the first trial. And like the first trial, it was long, more than three months. And this trial also ended with a long deliberation, nine days. Did it start feeling like the first time to you? Um, nothing <laughs> felt like that 18 days the first time. But yes, it was reminiscent of that. And we were just trying to understand what was going on. It, it's impossible to try to read a jury. But unlike the first trial, this jury reached a verdict. Pedro Hernandez was convicted of killing Aton Pates 37 years after the first grader left home and vanished. The Pates family has waited a long time, but we finally have found some measure of justice for our wonderful little boy, Eitan. I am truly relieved, and I'll tell you, it's about time. It really is. It's about time. Pedro Hernandez was sentenced to 25 years to life. Why do you think this case was so hard to solve. Why did it take so long? I think people had great intentions. I think people got focused on people like Ramos, not criticizing anybody independently, because it made a lot of sense. He's an evil man, he's just not our evil man. It's a feeling now shared by others who were once convinced Jose Ramos murdered Aton Pates before police found Pedro Hernandez. If I were on the jury, I would have come with the same verdict. Do you still think of Aton Pates? I do. What do you think about? It could have been my son. That is the thought that still haunts so many involved in this case. My kids are like 22, and I still think about it when, I'm, when they're out of sight and out of mind. We were kind of hoping that it would be like a movie ending where the boy would eventually walk in the door, but it didn't work out that way. I notice a couple of times you've looked down at this. Yeah, yeah. Why, why do you, does this still this, mean this something? Is, yeah, this, this, is, this is the poster we remember the most, I would say. This is the kids looking right at me. I feel for the family. I'm a father myself, and so is Dave. Case is solved, but solved, but I never give them complete closure. I couldn't give them their son back. Would have loved to give them their son back.
Eitan would be 45 years old. His remains have never been found. Pedro Hernandez's legal team is working on an appeal. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the 48 Hours podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.